Hey up and welcome to the Temple of Blair. Uh, it's taken a while this one, I do apologise. I've been busy. You know how it is. Anyway, uh, word of warning for this one, this is a northerner and a Glaswegian having a conversation, so uh, good luck, North American listeners. This is Kenny Garden of Blue Grape Europe. So we're finally starting to scratch that fucking itch. Blue Grape being the merchandising company which Roadrunner used. I choose those words specifically because despite the close association, Blue Grape and Roadrunner are two separate fucking companies. Both owned by Case Vessels, but two independent entities in their own right. Blue Grape is a topic unto itself and a beast unto itself, and I'll be treating it as such over the next few months and enjoying learning about it. Uh, Sorry this one took a while, Kenny. I owe you a pint. One, two, fuck it up. kind of catching up you know what i mean and he's like oh this fucking this fucking temple of blair and i'm going blah and he's going no temple of blair and i'm going what what the fuck are you saying mate blah and he's going no 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 it's just guys doing this documentaries on fucking roadrunner and i'm like oh yeah because oh, i just did an interview and then he's like actually he should speak to you and i'm like why and he goes no, no, definitely, yeah, 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 and that was it. So that's all I knew. So I came home, and a couple of days later, I thought, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> so I, uh, I had a look around, and I found his interview. So I watched it, and it, it took me like a couple of days to sort of watch it. But yeah. it was just—it was great. It was just seeing like Marcus and hearing stuff. I was going, oh, "Fuck, guy, that's right." Oh yeah, blah blah blah. And then, and then I saw you've done loads. You know what I mean? And like done stuff with the bands and stuff like that. And then, you know, I started watching Stefan, Stefan Costos. He's another good friend, you know what I mean? That I've not, I don't know, I've not seen Stefan for God knows how long, you know what I mean? But he just, he was exactly the same guy right there. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, yeah, what the do? You know what I mean? And, uh, it was just, it was great. But I've only seen like sort of 10 minutes of it so far. I've obviously got a lot of catching up to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's, there's like 80 hours. This is why it's... Yeah, I was going to say, it looks like you've been fucking busy, mate. You know? I'm not fucking about, man. Yeah, that's that's like, quick. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the advantage of this is it's kind of like I, I, I think I used to call it like a podcast now I just call it a research vehicle disguised as a podcast because right. it's really dry kind of looking a dry look at everything because as far as I'm concerned okay. like alright so I'll try and get dry <laughs> yes. it, it, uh, well yeah. I'm con- the thing I like about it is like it's try, trying to speak to fucking Rob Flynn and Dino Cazara saying yeah we know Fear Factory Machine but let's talk about the infrastructure which got you to where you are which yeah. not a lot of people are like they're not prepared for that just sort of it's got it's it, i don't know I, I don't know where to start really it just sort of got a mind of its own now and it's just got a momentum of its own and it's just unfucking stoppable so um off i trot you know trying to get down and dirty with all the details but i mean oh. the way, way you come in to it kenny is is the way i'm sort of understanding how roadrunner conducted itself with its artists right there is what we know now as the 360 deal uh, yeah, um, which is like, all these different revenue streams. Back in the d- early days, it was kind of. I just smoked my sea fucking everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was kind of the two hundred and seventy deal, because, and we call it that now in retrospect because we know there were four pillars which Case wanted. He wanted, um, he wanted touring, he wanted merch, he wanted publishing, and he wanted um, just the masters, the the, the music itself. Oh. so 
And I think this, this is this, I guess let's open up with the first question, which is what the fuck is blue grape in that context then? Well, um, well, blue grape was the merch company, right? Yeah. And, um, I mean, so I saw, we've not spoken before, but you, you sent me like a couple of those questions, you yes. know what I mean? And I thought, oh, wait a minute. I mean, I, w- I wasn't in at the ground floor, mm. you know what I mean? Um, so I, I didn't want to lead you astray with thinking, oh, no. this guy knows fucking everything, then it turns out he knows fuck all, you know? So, um, but yeah, so they're the merch company. And after I'd been there a little while, and this would, in the in the beginning, I was just out on the road with bands, and you found out then that you know basically the bands when they did a record contract, they were then tied into this merch deal, mm. and um, quite early on, it seemed like a lot of them weren't keen on that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, didn't like the fact that you know they'd been strong armed into this. Mm. You know what I mean? And that there was a general vibe around like fucking blue group, man. Like nobody liked it. You know what I mean? And I came in not knowing any of this whatsoever. Mm. You know, and um, so it was a wee bit strange. So, but yeah, you became aware that when bands signed to Roadrunner, that they were then um, they were then like, they were like guys, that's brilliant. There's a record. By the way, we've got your merch as well. So shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? This is what's happening. And these guys in Amsterdam are going to do it for you, you know, so mm. just get on with it. And, um, it, you know, and uh, that was that, as I say, like, it was, I mean, listen, to be honest, I knew nothing about, before I started doing stuff with them, I knew nothing about Roadrunner Records. Mm. I knew nothing about metal, you know, I mean, I was like, my, I mean, my first experience of it was the first day of, I turned up to do a gig for them, which was Annihilator. I don't know if you know them. Yeah. 1993 <laughs> at the Camden Underworld. You know what I mean? And these fucking people came in. You know what I mean? They're like, what people do wear spandex? Fuck's sake. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, and that was it. That was, I mean, um, I knew nothing about their catalogue. I didn't know who Roadrunner were. You know, I mean, I wasn't into metal or anything like that. How did how did you get in there on the ground floor then? In terms, of, I know you just said you were on the ground floor, but I think being on the road is pretty much sufficient for being. Yeah, well, it turned <laughs> out that was the basement. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it was. I'll try and uh, try and make it briefish. Um, it was through some friends in Leeds. So I was working for a band called the Sisters of Mercy, right? Uh, I ended up working for them accidentally. <laughs> Because I've done a business degree, finished that, and got, I was a big Sisters fan, mm. like mid-80s, you know, and um, then went to college, did this degree, finished that. They were going on tour. This is like 1991. They hadn't been on tour. I'd seen them in, in the 80s, but mm. I'd missed them when they come back in the, uh, November 1990 because I was doing my finals. So I went, I thought, I went into railing uh, like in 91, and I was going to go and see them a couple of shows, and I want for the American to audience. Interrailing is it was like a it was like a train pass for all of Europe. Oh, right. I sorry, yeah. yeah. Hang on, let me try and moderate my accent. As well. <laughs> the accent, the accent's yeah. fine. It, oh, right, it's, yeah. it's, just, it's just in a post Brexit world, we need to contextualize the interrail even further. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I thought I'm going to go interrailing around Europe. I want a holiday. I'm going to go and see this band a bit, and I thought. The first show was in Poland, and I'm like, I'm going to go to Poland, man. You know, I mean, this is 
from Glasgow to Poland, you know what I mean? So I did that, and then the, the next show was in Budapest, and I met the guy who was doing Sharks that night, you know, and like, you know, he said, I'll come on another couple of shows, you know what I mean? And it, it cut a long story short, I ended up doing the whole European tour, helping him sell T-shirts, and we got on great, mm-hmm. and that was it. I started working for them, and I'm like, fucking hell, I love this band, and now I'm working for them. This is Wait, waste of an interrail tri- ticket. Yeah, exactly. And they've never fucking given me the money back, the bastards. So um, I'll, I'll put off getting a real job for a little while. You know what I mean? And then, you know, did the same like the next year when the sisters went on tour, blah, blah, blah. So cut to 1993. And um, this, uh, my mates in Leeds said, oh, a friend of ours is um, working for this uh, merchandise company. They're in Amsterdam and they're looking for people to go on the road. You know what I mean? I'm like, perfect. So this girl, Mandy Brown, uh, they set up uh, a phone call interview, you know what I mean? Like, all right, you know, would you go on the road? You know, it's my Yorkshire accent, you know what I mean? Banging. Bang on. Bang on. Bang. You knew which street she was from, you know? Um, so um, it was just like a phone call, like, oh, what would you do in this situation? I'm going, no fucking idea. You know what I mean? <laughs> this, and so I went, okay, and, I think that was about April or something like that. She had a tour in mind, but I don't know, it fell through or someone else did it. Anyway, out of the blue, she gets in touch, got this tour, this band Annihilator. Never heard of them. I'm like, yeah, fine, huh? do it, whatever. And um, that was it. So I, I turned, I mean, I turned up, they shipped. So they said, we're going to send the merch over. They were So they were making it in Holland. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, I knew nothing absolutely zero about the company or whatever. So they were sending it over and they went, we've got an office in London. You know what I mean? So you need to get the train from Glasgow down, go to this office, you know, they'll help you pick up the stuff, go get a taxi, go to the gig, you'll meet the band, do the show, you're on tour. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I'm like, "Ah, easy, you know what I mean? So I went round to this, what was a house, I think, which was, must have been the Roadrunner's office, you know what I mean? And um, <laughs> I mean, looking back on it now, <laughs> I realised that it was like a lot of people at, at Roadrunner, they fucking hated Blue Great, man. You know what I mean? They, they didn't want anything to do with it. But I was completely oblivious to this. So he went in and I was like, hi, I'm, uh, like, uh, you know what I mean? It was basically... And, uh, I'm later, I'm sure this is Mark Palmer, who I love. He's a really nice guy and all that. And, you know, again, somebody else I've not seen for years. But I remember they were just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that's your stuff there. <laughs> and it's just like a pile of boxes, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, okay. Um, how am I getting that? Well, you better get a taxi. And I'm like, could you phone us one and all that? And I'm like, fucking hell. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> I can't. I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure none of them helped me get the gear down to the taxi. You know, it was just like, and I was like, oh, must be London. You know, I mean, they're hostile there. You know, they, they hate us Scottish people or something. So that was the start of realizing that everybody at fucking Roadrunner hated Blue Grey. What, what? Do you know why? Why is? Why was that? Well, I've got my suspicions. Okay. Um, Incidentally, you are you are allowed to go off the record and I can edit it out if you like. All right, no, that's I mean, worth no, it. No. Oh well, I mean, I, yeah, I don't think I could say any controversial. 
Uh, I don't know. Um, it depends how much I drink, you know. Um, so they, uh, I think it was because merchandise was it's not in its infancy as a thing, but it was in its infancy in maybe like uh, for all these bands and the bands weren't happy. And I mean, I remember you used to go to gigs and it was like a sort of, oh my God, they've got T-shirts and stuff. And it was like a sort of, like they'd be going, oh, you know what I mean? And like, this a, you're a source of fun, mm. you know, because you know, it's like, fuck off, buy one, you know what I mean? <laughs> and then, you know, so it was, it was just a strange time. It was completely different, you know what I mean? And then, like, gigs, you know, were like, oh, fucking hell, it's T-shirts, you know what I mean? Mm. And you're like, yeah, what's wrong? You know what I mean? So it was all, it was all a bit weird. And I think, I think the record company, the people that worked at the record company felt that Blue Grape was just like a sort of hindrance, you know, to them, you know, um, mm. they didn't, I didn't know, I mean, again, I just spoke to one person on the phone that by the day I'd started, mm. you know what I mean? And it was over the course of that tour, I met a couple more people because we went to the Dynamo Festival and stuff like that. It was about gig four on that tour or something like that. And you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. There's like a hundred thousand people mm. everywhere, you know what I mean? Uh, and then all these metal bands and stuff. But I think that the merch company was just different and it, like, it's just, I don't know, like in the sort of maybe the Dutch characteristics or something, they want everything straightforward and uh, yeah, and you know, you think it's like possible and old, you know what I mean? And like, you know, so if you're if you're doing something sort of different, it's like they want it stripped by the book and all these bands. And I think the kind of grenade of the merch people, you know, in amongst them, it was like a sort of, oh hang on, this is a wee bit this is a wee bit strange and different and it gives us a problem with the bands. This, this is the thing as well, because Blue Grape is it's separate from it's owned by Case, but it's separate from Roadrunner. Yeah. Which is weird. Well, uh, I mean, I don't know if I ever thought of it like that. Because I was always like that. It's the same thing. What are you on about? Aren't we? You know, aren't we together? The more I get into it, you know, I mean, I was kind of like, what's the fucking problem? Mm. I mean, we shared the office. Maybe they didn't like that. You know, um, because Mandy, the girl, she walked it. I went to that, what I think was the sort of, well, the office, the first office in Amsterdam. Yeah. I think it was Bargesweg or something like no, that. The first oh, one was Van, Van Egenstraat. Um, so it's not that, I don't think. And the one after was a big one. And I think the final one was near the airport and there's one in between, which I'm not too familiar uh, with. So the, well, the one, I, one when I moved there to work there, it was in Amstelveen. Amstelveen. Right, yes. Yeah. Which was outside, but there was an office on a little canal street, I thought it was called Bargesweg. Bargesweg 289 or something like that. And you went up there to the <laughs> you know. Um, I hope I've not got that wrong, you know. Um, we'll find out. We'll find out, Jesus. Edit me back in, saying <laughs> right one, will you? I'll, uh, I'll do it for a And I say anyway, so it's all right. <laughs> and um, yeah, then so Mandy was in that office, and uh, Angelique, who you'll have heard about, I'm sure. Uh, you know, um, Angelique the fighter. Fighter, no. Well, she's she's the one that ran Blue Grape. You know, no idea. All oh, right, so she so 
is a lady called Angelique the Fighter, and mm-hmm. she ran the Blue Grape company, basically. Right. So she was in charge, and um, you know, for whatever reason, uh, she came from a, a sort of fashion background, I think. Okay. You know, so that's why a later, you know, I'm jumping ahead of myself. I kind of do this all the time, but um, you know, they a lot of the products they made, they were they're all a bit ahead of their time. Like it was all custom made, cut, cut and sew gear. They were very forward thinking. They wanted to be fashion, you know, in music or metal and stuff like that. And they were like, it'll sell if it's like that. And, um, you know, we can get it in more places and, excuse me, people pay a higher, you know, price for it. I mean, they used to make, like, crazy stuff, you know, um, compared to, like, everybody else, I think, Mm. which was, it did help. To, uh, I think, probably get the bands on sides and stuff like that in some ways, but in other ways, they, I think they struggled because they were always getting hassled for approvals. You know, they were always getting, you must right. approve these 14,000 designs, you know what I mean? And they'd be like, no, 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 no. Ah, well, and Angelique would be like, no, slow ball. You know what I mean? And like, she, she'd like, she was very good at getting them to do you know, what she wanted. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, I always remember Rob Flynn saying one time, uh, like, I was like, well, I thought that's all approved, mate, isn't it? You know what I mean? So, I mean, we just wanted her to shut the fuck up. So we said <laughs> yes in the end, you know, because she could just like, she'd be poking <laughs> them in the chest to the point of, you know, like, so you're a big bad rock star, mate. <laughs> and this, this uh, mad woman from... I, I'm not being disrespectful calling her a mad woman, you know. I mean, she's, like, fucking bonkers, mate. But, yeah. I mean, um, she, was, she, she was obviously very good. Hmm. And part of that is, like, fucking crazy, you know what I mean? So, what's the, so we alluded to it before when you're saying that shows having a T-shirt stand was a bit funny. So... It, Obviously, nowadays, I'm a product of my own time, so that's always been the case. Was it not always like that? What do you mean? Was there, not, was, was there not always a merch stand? Yeah, no, I thought, I mean, I thought, but, like, when I started doing it, I mean, yeah, there was, because, I mean, when I started going to gigs, like, first gig I ever went to was in 1981, Stiff Little Fingers, Glasgow Apollo, <laughs> you know, um, there was merchandise on sale, and I never thought it was weird. But I just remember when I started going out, they were like, uh, at these shows, it was seen, it is, the odd, people reacted strangely at venues. I don't know if it's because they were small venues, hmm. and stuff like that, you know. Um, but I felt there was a sort of strange reaction. Maybe it was to me, I don't know. Maybe like, uh, no, the shots are all right, you're a fucking man. <laughs> You know, it could have been, it could be that. I don't know. You need to ask someone else. But um, yeah, I, you know, um, it just it just seems slightly weird. And when I started, they obviously had a bit of a reputation already because mm. you'd go around some of these clubs and they'd be like, "Yeah, fucking bullcrap." You know, I mean, there seemed to be this anger that right. went like from other you know, that. Who, who, what's happened in the past? I don't know. I don't know how they've done. How they've done it. Who'd done it? 
sure. Or whatever, but part of it was with other bands and stuff like that because, you know, Blue Grapes artists, so the Roadrunner bands, um, they were always fighting with them because they were always, the bands always thought that they, the Blue Grape wanted to charge too much money, you know, for a T-shirt and they always wanted to like, you know, oh, it should be cheaper, man. And so there was this constant argument and it was like, you know, does anybody know the value of anything? You know what I mean? You're going, look, the, the T-shirt's fucking three times the price of a pint, mate. You know, it's not a lot, you know, and it, you get to take it home. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, it might not be in one piece, but... Um, Is that always know, a contention then? Does it always... There was, was it... A, there was with other support bands in particular. A lot of them used to hate me. You know, I mean, she'd be done these weird tours and they'd be like, oh, fucking, oh, blue grey headliner. You know, I mean, and you would, because you would ask them to price match. Right. You know, and they say, like, okay, so we're the headline band. You know, the headline band sets the tone, you know, and like, but in Mercer, particularly in the States, this was this like a no brainer. Yep. You know, bands in the States were like, uh, you know, if we're selling for 20 bucks, you're all selling for 20 bucks and stuff like that. And it was, they wanted that maintained in Europe, but like, there was this kind of like, ah, oh, but we should all be pals and we could sell ours for five guilders. You know what I mean? And, oh, we get nothing to eat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, shut it. You know, so I think it's, I think it's like, uh, Rod Smallwood from, um, fucking out Sanctuary. He, probably he did like his own analysis, like in the eighties at Maiden shows. He'd actually corner kids and say, how much money have you got in your pocket? <laughs> how much money you got in your pocket not to say i want your money but to say like yeah. well here's the the average maiden fan brings 18 quid to a gig so that means that's a pint and a 15 quid t-shirt and yeah. that's that's how it would operate uh-huh. so i guess like maybe that kind of analysis isn't exactly going on with your headline band and support acts and things like that so the only the only the only economic question you can ask is <clears throat> who's gonna buy the most expensive t-shirt probably not these guys yeah, ah, I mean, um, I mean, I know it's it's like they're up against it, you know. So, like, it's like, well, they're not going to sell much anyway because mm. the headline, the people who's there to see mainly the headline artists. Although, you know, there was loads of tours that I was doing back then that they would, you know, <laughs> I mean, I hardly knew the main band, you know. I mean, so I was going, who's this support? Right, never fucking heard of you, mate. You know, nobody's coming to see you. Oh, they are. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, these like crazy, annoying bands, and um, you know, maybe they would sell a lot of stuff, but mm. you know, maybe they get shit from their fans, and they'd be like, "That guy over there," and I'd be giving it, yeah, but like, you know, whatever. You know, let's just all do it like that. So, anyway, I don't, I don't know what that's what rabbit hole I was going down there. No, we're trying, we're trying to suss out like what was the animosity about. Yeah, so I, you know, I don't know. I just think, uh, I just think the, from maybe they just, uh, the others in the in Roadrunner didn't take it seriously. And uh, it, was a, it was a hindrance because it annoyed the bands. So that made their life maybe slightly difficult. And they were like, oh, God's sake. Why, why do we have to have this? Mm. It's so much simpler. And like I say, I walked into that. It's just, I, listen, that could be completely wrong. I'm just giving... Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and other people in the company, you know, would be like, oh, no, it wasn't like that. It was because of this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, uh, But I'm just like, I walked into it and you could, you could sense a little, uh, like, 
hostility. And I, uh, I will get emails. And <laughs> some... Brilliant. Um, yeah, and I'll let you know yeah, what. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Dear sir, I was appalled. That jock was on again. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I liked. It was like whatever, but like, on the road, I think uh, there was. I mean, like, again, I couldn't understand it. And you would turn up, and still, when I was on the road uh, doing bands, and the uh, the band fucking hates you. By the way, so like, I've never met them. <laughs> Could they? Never, they don't even know who I am. You know, let me throw out some assumptions. You can tell me if I'm wrong because I'm, I'm trying to figure out what. Because obviously this is one of the pillars of the revenue streams. So it's important for me to sort of, because I'm fucking boring as out, and, and it's important for me to know the dynamics of it. So price fixing makes sense. Um, that's one thing. As part of the Blue Grape deal, presumably it's almost in essence a royalty, like 10 quid t-shirt, the band gets two quid or whatever it is. Um, whatever, yeah, I think most whatever of them are on royalty deals, you know, where... A lot of them, in, uh, they might get an advance or something like that, and then it would be, you know, chipped away at through the tours and like retail because they were, you know, they were doing a lot of retail. They're trying to get in at places, uh, and well, online wasn't a thing back then, you know. Um, so retail sales and uh, online, uh, sorry, touring sales, and uh, there were always this, you know, recruitment thing, you know, I mean, blah blah blah, and um, you know. That, that was it, really, yes. Right. Uh, right, okay. And that was, uh, I presume, and just to get really dull, presumably, how do you, <laughs> how, how do you, what's the supply and demand dynamics? Like, how do you know how much you're going to need going out? You're yeah. a Sepultura tour, you're going to need oh. a fucking load more than, say, a Star Star yeah, tour. Well, well um, yeah, well, that's, that's the tricky thing, isn't it? That I still wrestle with today. It's like, oh, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're like, is it a full moon? You know, I mean, is it like, you know, uh, well, yeah, I mean, so that first year I did, uh, I did that. Um, so I, that, I, that didn't involve me. Those kind of logistics didn't involve me until I got in the office and I okay. took the office job in like, I think it was 1997. But um, yeah, so I mean, I, uh, that first, 93, you know, doing that, Annihilator tour. I went straight in a deicide tour. You know that was. Oh, like, were you there for the bomb threat? Uh, no, I think that. Well, I know they cancelled. Uh, yeah, maybe that was the London one. No, it was Manchester Apollo. I think that had been the tour before. Right. Uh, and then when we did this tour again, I'm like, uh, who are these guys and the man like, uh, he's got an upside down cross burnt in his forehead. You know, I mean, she doesn't speak about that at all. I don't know why I did that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, it was just like, it was crazy. You know what I mean? It was just like, this is absolutely insane. Those annihilator guys were nothing compared to these loon balls. You know what I mean? And it was like, I was driving that as well. You know, uh, so it was just, I had the gear in the back, you know, driving around, like, you know, doing the shows and, it was just, it was madness, you know I mean? And I think they had a, a, a tough relationship with Blue Grape as well. Like, they, they weren't that keen, you know what I mean? But I'm, like, I'm just like, listen, I'm just here to, just here for a good time, mate. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Come on, let's sell some T-shirts. 
Let's make you some money, Glenn. Come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? You need more tattoos. He was getting tattooed every day. You know what I mean? There was a tattooist on the tour that was doing these devil heads on him every day. But anyway, uh, did that. And then next thing, they start talking about this band called Sepultura. And I'm like, no idea, mate. You know, and all that. Well, that's, you can go out on it, like whatever, KOCD tour. And I'm like, yeah, fine. You know what I mean? And uh, that was just like, yeah, as you say, it was another level of like, it was insane. You know, the, the amount of shirts that were sold, you know, on that tour was just absolutely crazy. You know, I mean, it was, and I, it was, yeah, you know, I've never heard of these people. They seemed very popular, however, you know, and uh, people were nuts for it, you know what I mean? And, yeah, it's, 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 Alternative to Big Four Thrash, isn't it? You can have Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax, or you can have this fucking set of Brazilian nut jobs. And yeah. I think like, it uh, speaks to like the British aesthetic to go, we want the nut jobs. Yeah, we'll take the nut jobs, please, mate. You know yeah. what I mean? All the time. Um, but like trying to work out, you know, again, as I said, at, <clears throat> at that point, it wasn't my job to uh, decide, mm. you know, how much, you know, would we need for a tour like that? Latterly, it became that, and it's been like that rest of my life. <laughs> Well, you know, apart from every now and then nipping out on the road, which I love, but like most of the time, um, well, I'm trying to do both. I'm like trying to go on the road or, you know, like, right, we need this for this too. And it's all projections and bollocks, you know what I mean? So, what other tat would you make then? But for you mentioned like Blue Great didn't just do like apparel, it was some other stuff as well. Yeah. I mean, me at the time, it was again, it was new to me. They did these things called jams which were the shorts. You know, oh, right. they were okay. really popular. You know, I mean, like, jams, jams. Fucking hell. But they did shorts for all these bands. They were just like, they were like, you know, the same material as like jogging bottoms and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. But like, all that shit was, and they, all the hoodies, <laughs> demonstrating everything, you know, <laughs> so you know. Uh, um, I, I don't think we really had many accessories at that right. point, as I would call them now. Uh, you know, um, like, you know, the badge sets and all that shit, you know, I mean, there wasn't any of that. There was never any, um, there was never any CDs mm. or, or like vinyl in, in those days. It was just all, it was just always the T-shirts, you know, and uh, that was pretty much it. I'm trying to think, I mean, we probably had, we probably had a cap or something like that. I'm trying yeah, to think yeah. of that. We had a lot of stuff. Mm. You know, that was the thing. For some of these bands, you'd be going into these tiny venues and um, <laughs> I've got fucking eight T-shirts, mate. You know what I mean? And, and it was like gaffer tape to a wall or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, so, um, but accessories, I don't think we really had. We mm. had that much. You know? So talk, talk me through how you, you got to the, the office row then. We're calling it the office row. I don't know what the actual oh. title, yeah, I don't yeah. know what the actual title oh, is. Right. The office job. Um, <laughs> well, um, so I, so I, as I say, I just, I did tours for them and a few other companies and stuff like that and the sisters in between time over the next, it's like, still don't need a proper job. This is going great. You know what I mean? I'm, you know, traveling about and doing stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, like, 
got all over Europe, and I'd been. Uh, I think by that point, I'd been to Australia with Cannibal Corpse and stuff like that, you know. Mm. And um, that was great. That was always good fun. Maybe that's Corpse. why Blue Grey gets the bad rap from Roadrunner because they do other bands, they do other licenses, they do other labels. I was about the only one, though. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I probably wouldn't have been aware too much that there was like they weren't. I mean, uh, I mean, I thought they were on Roadrunner. Uh, they, no, Cannibal weren't. They're right. like they're one of the they're one of the only Florida death metal bands not to be. Ah, uh-huh. yeah, because we did obituary, yeah, um, as well. I think I did some, I did some stuff with them. But Cannibal Corpse I went on the road with because they were always up. Oh, you're banned in Germany now. You know, what I mean, because the Germans didn't like that some of the lyrics or stuff like that. They were like, there will be police in the venue if you if you play this song. They know every word. You know what I mean? Or they'll be giving it, okay, the gig can go ahead, but you're not allowed to sell your T-shirts. You know, you're like, what? So, like, so either we were banned, me and Jessica, you know what I mean? I'm like, not again. Or, um, or we had to set up outside or something like that. You're not allowed when 50 yards of the venue with your T-shirts. You know what I mean? They're disgusting. I'm like, I fucking know, mate. You know what I mean? I'm sleeping on them half the time. You know? So, um, yeah, uh, so, anyway, sorry. Sorry. Um, rolled just through this and, uh, you know, it was in and out. It was doing quite a lot of work for them. You know, I, I was probably their main road guide, like the one the sort of main guy that, you know, I got the first call for tours and stuff like that. And, you know, Mandy started drafting in a few other, you know, British guys as well that, you know, I still know, like, today and we still do stuff and things like that. But, um she then, uh, like, 96 or, sorry, 97, announces that she's leaving. And um, she actually, she goes, I'm going to work for the circus. <laughs> and I'm like, what, you're leaving the clowns here? You know, going to work for the circus. But she'd got, she'd got offered a job with Cirque du Soleil. Oh, wow. So, so that was a bit different, you know what I mean? So, uh, and then I was like, all oh, right, okay. And she went, you should... Uh, you know, you should uh, apply for the job. You should move to Amsterdam and do it. And I was like, uh, well, all right, you know what I mean? Whatever. So she set up an interview and uh, I came across and I had an interview with Angelique. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw Case briefly, uh, you know, and Angelique, you know, was just asking questions and whatever. You know, they knew me anyway. Mm. You know, they'd met me, but I think they wanted to... Angelique dreamt of this fashion empire, you know. Um, so I think she was trying to find out if I was going to be the next Hugo Boss of merchandise or something like that. You know what I mean? I'm like, probably not. You know I mean? <laughs> uh, does he wear kilts? Uh, you know, so, uh, the, uh, uh, but yeah, did the interview and that was it, you know. Uh, went out with Mandy that night. I can't remember. There was somebody who was playing at the Meltveg, and I remember we get absolutely wrecked because a terrible hangover the next day. But uh, and then I ended up. I got the job. They offered me the job, and it was like, yeah, fine. So I moved to Holland to take up uh, the job in the office. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, it was, it was just a bit bizarre. And like I say, I knew I knew a lot of the the staff because if there was a gig in hall, they'd come down mm-hmm. and they kind of like, I, 
I usually ended up, I got on with, like, you know, fortunately, you could usually get on with the bands or stuff like that, you know, because you're on the road and stuff. So sometimes if they were having a problem with about, oh, maybe want to come and hang out with you, i.e. the people from Roadrunner or something mm. like that, that were like, oh, God, the band are giving us a hard time. And like, well, you know, you ask them or give them this or something like that, I don't know. Uh, so, like, I knew a lot of the people that worked there and... Um, one of the people I've met was Marcus, uh, you know, because he was uh, English, you know, and a good friend of Mandy's, and he'd come down to gigs, and he's always like a, he's a real gent, you know, like, ah, good evening, you know what I mean? And uh, so, actually, the day I arrived, he picked me up at the airport and took me out for a drink, Got, took me to where I was going to be living, and then took me out for a drink just to get settled, and it was brilliant, you know, and then I... Uh, Turned up on the Monday, went to work, and it was like, right, here's some tools. Right, you start working out how many T-shirts you're going to need and stuff like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, uh, and I, that was that was in Amstel Vane, uh, or Amstel Vane. I can't remember how you pronounce it, but that's weird. I've heard both. Amstel Vane. And, um, you know, so it was just like crack. I'll meet the rest of the team, most of whom I knew, Anyway, uh, from seeing at gigs because they would all come down because everybody right. that worked there was a the bulk of them were all metalheads. Yeah, you know what I mean. Which again, so I, I was different because I'm like uh, playing something else in the in the office. Like, they were like, get the new Death album on or something like that. You know, what I mean? another one I'd been on tour with that didn't get on with um, <laughs> didn't get on with uh, Blue Grape. Fuck's sake. Uh, you know, there was just this constant battles. Um, anyway, yeah, so started and, uh, you know, you just got on with stuff, you know what I mean? It's like, to me, it was just about bands are going out, we need T-shirts, you know, let's do it. I've got somebody to go out on the road. Can they get on the... The big things are, can they get on the bus? Have you got a bunk on the bus for them? Have you got room to transport the merch? You know what I mean? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, if not, you know, you'll have... Right, we're looking at self-driving it. And that would come up, like, say with death, because Chuck, in the end, didn't want you on the bus. You weren't allowed, they wouldn't, wouldn't do anything to help. You know what I mean? Because he hated them mm-hmm. that much. You know what I mean? And I was like, why, mate? The first tour I did, it was okay and all that. You know what I mean? But after that, I think the second time I went out with them, I had to drive. And then latterly, there was always a drive. You know what I mean? And... Um, yeah, it was just these battles, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just like, aren't we all pulling together on me? You know what I mean? Trying to sell as much T-shirt, make as much money for you as possible. But No, you're on your own, mate. And I'm not current, mate. There was something <laughs> going on. Where was the merch made then? Presumably on somewhere in... So in there was, there, we had a printer's, well, there was a printer's uh, in uh, Brooklyn, uh, the original Brooklyn, mm-hmm. Uh and uh, which was about half an hour outside Amsterdam. Right. They had a storage facility down there, and um, there was a printer's down there that they used based for, for like, most of the, the T-shirts. Anything fancy, like, that was all... A lot of that, that was all getting made in Turkey. So I had these... Oh, yeah, it was all, like... I mean, all cut and sew. It was all, like, you know, gear that took a lot of time to manufacture and they would so they'd be so they were putting they were placing big orders you know somebody was giving it right an item for this excuse me um new sepulture well, the best selling shirt we've probably ever had they ever had 
was this Sepultura football top, right. you know, like bright yellow, green, like, you know, Sepultura saying, like Sepultura across the back, a number or something like that. Man, that summer festivals that we took that out on, uh, just disappeared. Like, it was like, gone. And like, they couldn't keep up with demand. And Gloria's going bananas. Cause it's like, they sold out the day before. You know what I mean? <laughs> the day before we played, it's like, yeah, fucking popular. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, but they got all these things manufactured in uh, in uh, a Turkey. Mm-hmm. So there was a lady in the Angelique and this lady Anna. They used to deal with that and they'd be like screaming matches down the phone. You know what I mean? Because they were like, "What do you mean it's still late?" You know what I mean? No. They would be. They were very strict. You know what I mean? And they'd be out. Deliveries would be coming. You know, arsics would be turning up at the the office mm-hmm. and they'd be going out measuring. Like, nah, mate, the seam's not right. Send it back to Turkey. You know what I mean? Chocolate and all this. It was crazy. Have you had any typos? Any typos? There's always the odd typo, mate, but we don't like to talk about that, you know what I mean? I'm involved. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, there's like, you know, there's all stuff like that, you know, in merchandise. Getting the the city spelt wrong is always embarrassing. I did. I had one a couple of years ago. I was just like, you know, it's humiliating, but you know, roll with it. Yeah, what can you do? Um, did is is something I probably should have asked at the start. What do you know why it was called Blue Grape? No, I've absolutely no idea. And um, that it, it always seemed crazy to me that it was called Blue Grape because it was like it's not a very good name, you know what I mean? And it was a it was a big B. You know, like a stenciled bee, you know, it said blue grape round it. It was like that blue grape. And that's almost like how people, oh, fucking blue grape. People would be saying it at gigs if, who does, which company are you from? Ah, uh, 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 blue grape. Why? Fucking blue grape. You know, so um, <laughs> I've no idea why it was called blue grape. And then one of the, so when I started in the office, like I, I say, I'd seen Case. You know, briefly, I knew him because I've met him probably a couple of times in passing. You know, know, since I'm one of the Godfather or something like that. And then, so I'd seen him at the interview or whatever, and I'd probably been there about a week and he came in, you know, and uh, he's like, ah, so uh, you moved up from uh, some town in the south of like Holland or somewhere. And I'm like, no, like, yeah, yeah, you look, you look down there. And I was like, ah. no, that was the other guy you interviewed me. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I'm the guy from Scotland, remember? The one you can't, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah like, you know what I mean? And I was like, ah, all right, cool. But so about a week later or something, he asked me to write a report on Blue Grape. And I was like, ah. uh, so I took this sort of report. Not knowing what the fuck it is he wants. You know, like, you know so I'm like, okay. Got that report? Like, yeah, mate. Yeah, definitely. Like, so I give him it. And then two days later, he goes, I wasn't what I wanted. You know what I mean? I want you, I want you to tell me what we're not, like, what's going on or whatever. But tell me what we need to do. What's wrong? 
You know, I mean, that's interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <It's worrying. laughs> well, number one, what's wrong is you don't know where I fucking live. <laughs> uh, you're not paying attention. Um, no, uh, but in in that, I was at, well, you know, obviously, I think, I can't really remember. I'm sure I'd be embarrassed as fuck if I read it again. It would probably total garbage, you know, but um, I, I'm sure I said something like, you know, like, I was trying to forge better relationships with the artists, you know, and uh, I was trying to sign other artists, you know, spend some money and like, you know, get some of these bigger, uh, you know, British artists or American artists, because it seemed like the company had money, you know, wanted to do stuff. And it would be nice, I thought, if we could, you know, um, bridge out a wee bit and like get some other Mm-hmm. you know, big bands in and stuff like that, you know. Um, and then I was like, uh, I think we should rename the company, you know what I mean? Because this name's terrible, you know I mean? It's like, and I don't know, like, it's just, I, I, I've got no idea what it was all about, where it came from, or, I mean, I, I saw there was a bit, I think it was in, the Marcus mentioned something about, like, you know the All Blacks, and it was just—it was just because they—they loved uh, the, the New Zealand rugby yeah. team. So I don't know, they like fucking grapes or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, come on, have a blue grape, blue grape, yeah. It's you know? purple, man. Ah, fuck that, you know? We float, you know? So I don't know. It was just strange, uh, but that was one of the things I said. I'm sure. Could we change the name or even the logo? The logo was terrible. You know what I mean? Boom, baby. You know what I mean? It's like, oh God. So uh I, t- I take it he was like, nah, fuck that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wait, you're gonna listen to me. You know what I mean? I found a um when I find an article. She it's called Music and Media, April 21st, 1990. Uh touring the making the most of merchandise. It's just a thing I found like five minutes before we started. Right. Um, bits and bobs on you know the odds and sods of, of drink water and fucking other companies but oh. towards the end of the article <clears throat> I quote in Holland Roadrunner Records launched Blue Grape merchandising about six months ago so that places it sort of like tail end of 1989 Roadrunner MD Case Wessels he has been very successful for us most of the deals we do are with Roadrunner's own artists and the income that they make from our, from tour merchandising certainly helps to subsidize high touring costs. Around 90% of Blue Grape's business are T-shirts. We deal mainly with the smaller heavy metal bands and more extreme the band, the better their T-shirt sales tend to be. He says bootlegging is a big problem, which no individual company can deal with on its own. (laughs) The answer is for all merchandisers to work together in the same way that record companies have combined to fight piracy. Yeah. Was bootlegging a thing, a big issue back then? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, on that, uh, the first, my, well, I knew about it from the sisters um, when I got up, when I so started working for the Sisters of Mercy on that tour, and there was like bootleggers about, and it was like, oh, fuck's sake. I mean, it was, it's always been quite a violent thing, you know, dealing with bootleggers, and it, it was back then. and because they're just imposing on your spit. That's the idea. And they will just come in. stealing with the money. You know yeah. what I mean? So they're, they're, they're turning up with their T-shirts and selling them for that or whatever. You know what I mean? And so the artists get nothing, mm-hmm. blah, 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 all that. So um, so I knew about bootlegging from 
because sisters and Mercy were a huge merchandise band. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, so they were very attractive to bootleggers. And it was all, you know, all over Europe, it was it was all English people that did the bootlegging mainly. You know, so south of Manchester mainly is the centre of bootlegging. Yep. I mean, when you, if you go to Italy, it's another world of bootlegging. Because if you go to a show, if you're doing a show in Milan or something like that, you know, you'll get there in the morning and there'll be some stands set up outside. And by lunchtime, there'll be 50 stands, all, all selling bootlegging. And there's not a thing you can do uh, because they're like, no, they buy licenses to have a stall and copyright laws on, blah, blah, blah. The only thing you can do is uh, get the financial police sort of involved and stuff like that. And right. if you're a bigger artist, you can do all that sort of thing. But in Italy, generally, when you went there, you know, they, they just had all the stand. But American bands were forever getting into trouble because they were like, yeah, fuck that, man. When they were running, yeah, tearing down. You know what I mean? And then they'd be getting arrested. You know, it's all that <laughs> jock mentality. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, bootlegging in general. So yeah, there was. I mean, you know, on the on the smaller tours, I didn't. We didn't really have too many problems. But you know, the minute that we went out with Sepultura, I mean, we'd bootleg security on that from day one. You know, uh, to deal with the bootleggers. So they're just, dedicated people to yeah, go. Dedicated crew Fuck of guys. Yeah. Like, all right, Mike. Yeah. You know I mean, uh, so we had German guys on that. But I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, that's a murky world on its own, you know what I mean? Because you begin out, like to see what's going on, and a bit like security, be standing chatting to the bootleggers, you know what I mean? All right. And then you're like, mate, I fucking paying you to stop this. They're like, oh, oh grab the t shirts off them. You're like, why even fucking bother? You know, so, um, but guys that, to bring it up to date, guys that we work with these days are, much more professional than that, you know. I mean, they don't. But it's bootlegging is just a murky, ugly world. It's, you know, I mean, it's it's a real ugly sort of side of merchandise uh, dealing with it, and the losses can be colossal. You know, I mean, you can really see the income of a band like just obliterated. If Let's gracelessly jump down this rabbit hole then. So, what? Give me an example of like devastating example of where this is all going tits up because the bootlegger was so prevalent. Well, I mean, there's loads of times that, you know, what will happen is if, if you don't have security out on it, I mean, these days, like, it's it's rampant in the UK, you know what I mean? At, at, like, all sorts of levels of gigs and uh, there'll be, like, 20 people outside. They started they're putting down to fallings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, it used to be there'd be like a sort of gentleman's agreement that, you know, plus they would sell after the show. They wouldn't cover what's called the in, you know what I mean? So when the audience is all coming in. So you've got the in and the out. They're your big times. And you want the you want the audience coming in clean, basically. I, you know, they've not bought bootleg shirts, but then the bootleggers, they don't give a fuck. They're just, so they're walking up and down. And if it's a, it's a, a youngish audience... You know, I mean, we do like all like Fallout Boy, like you know, Panic at the Disco stuff, like you know, whatever big merch bands, and they're just like, yeah, great, and they could clean up. So you've got, I mean, we used to do what were they called? Uh, oh, I'm trying to think. Sorry, I'm just thinking about another band. Uh, right. 
temporarily forgot, but they would never agree to um, having bootleg security. And they just, everybody would come in. You could see everybody coming in wearing a bootleg. You know, like 200 kids would be coming in all wearing. So A, the bootleggers have cleaned up. I mean, they've done about, you know, two or three grand on the end. And um, you're not getting that share of the money. So the artist isn't getting it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, so it can get very out of hand. Yeah. You know, so the the downside is you've got to then employ security to, because venue security aren't interested. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not our job, mate. It's like, well, I thought you owned the pavement and all that. No, our job, mate. You know what I mean? But they're blocking the exit. People can't get out. You know what I mean? There's a crush inside. Yeah, but we're not moving the bootleggers because they're all shit scared of them. Mm. You know, it's an organised. It's yeah, of course there's, it's, there's an infrastructure there. Ah, well, it's, it's organised crime, mate. You know what I mean? So, um, but you know, it's just like oh, it's just t-shirts. So uh, you know, but it can yeah. it can cost a lot of money. So, um, but yeah, back then, you know, um, yeah, the first time with Roadrunner, I blew great. I would have seen it would have been on that Sepultura tour, and then. Various sort of tours, just sort of over the years of those. They're like, you know, there'd be there'd be very little bootlegging on like a Cannibal Corpse or an obituary tour. There would be sometimes, like in you know Polish guys or something like that, would maybe be doing a few shirts or something like that. But Germany used to crack down on it. Really? Yeah, 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 which was weird. Bootleggers would be getting arrested in Cologne and stuff like that. We used to do the. The, the big gig there, the uh, the arena there, you know, English bootleggers would be getting arrested. And you'd be like, but, and then, but they would be wanting you then to uh, give them authorization to charge them and go to court and all that. You're like, mm. well, just like, you know, they just fucking stop them selling. They don't want to ruin the guy's life. Yeah, don't want to ruin the guy's life. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you know, I might be a but I'm not that bad, mate. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, what else did he say in that thing? Lots of bootlegging. But their their income was was good, you know? In- income was good on the smaller bands. Yeah. The, yeah smaller, uh, the, more, the more extreme the band, the better the t-shirt sales. And that speaks to probably kind of what you were saying, because I imagine bootleggers won't be asked with, like, an extreme metal band, which they can't see. Because they'll have to, they'll have to well, do they their own analysis themselves, won't they? They'll have to go... They at the time. That these back, I mean, like, I was a regular person. I had no idea it existed. You know what I mean? So, exactly, yeah. You know, they would have to be in there. I mean, it honestly was my, it was just, it was like, what is this subculture like that I've somehow ended up in? And you're like, that's all right, actually. It's like, you know, I mean, as long as you get plenty of earplugs, you know, I mean, play away, guys, play away. Because you know? so, so, I remember seeing like a lecture at some point where I think it was with Manchester United's IP lawyer and he was basically saying, look, Man U is the biggest IP on the face of the human. Now, you think it's Coca-Cola, you think it's Microsoft and Apple, it's not, it's Man United. Yeah. It's by oh. simple presence because especially in like the Southeast, in the Orient and in the Philippines, yeah. absolutely every fucker in their mum is wearing a Man U t-shirt, bootlegged yeah, or not. Yeah. So in terms of pure growth and, and, and spread, Man U's the one. So yeah. I just wanted to see the mechanics of that from a, from a gig perspective. Let's move it back to um, the old grapey, grapey, the grapey group. Um, 
How did you call it? That's what the great great name in it. Let's finish it now. (laughs) (laughs) How did you? um, How did you work with the US guys then? Or was it just treated as these are completely different territories with different laws and different merchandising standards? No. um, Well, I mean, it was it was great because like Felix uh, ran the. So I'm going to put a light on here. I don't know if it seems does seem very dark. Was yeah, it was, it was like, mine, mine comes on enough because I fuck about with I've got light as well. But, uh, yeah, maybe I have to light me better later, mate. Yeah. I'll um, put some colour grade on there or something. <laughs> Ma- <laughs> match, like, our, match our skin tones. Oh, I was looking a bit peaky, you know. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so Felix ran the uh, the American office and I, I probably met him like over the course of the time that I was um, out on the road and stuff like that. And then once I was in the office, you dealt with him because... Hmm. The bulk of the bands were American. So, you know, they were coming over. So they would be going, here's the product line and stuff like that. You know, and they would like going, here's what the, you could ask them to, you want to know what the big seller, if they've been on the road already, you know, go, well, what's, what's the good sellers and stuff like that. And right. so you got a lot of information. And, you know, Felix is such, is such a great, I've not spoke to him for ages, you know what I mean? But um, it's, it's, it was brilliant, you know I mean? Uh, he was always on your side, and it was like having another ally. And when he came over, it was like, oh, well, you know, you could go out and, like, you know, he'd be smoking cigars and, like, you know, it was just like, come on, Cam, we'll go over get, you know, and uh, just great, you know. So it was good fun working with them. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, everybody that was in their office, there's Eddie and, you know, a bunch of other people, you know. And I ended up going over there and doing some tours, like in the States, laterally, I think when Blue Grape had uh, closed down, you know, the uh, the Dutch office, uh, but that's maybe skipping ahead of sort of time. That's cool. I'll make a note and I'll come back to that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was great. The Americans, you know, they, they provided a lot of the information. Like I said, the bulk of the artists were American artists that were coming over, you know, Life of Agony. They were mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant, you know. Uh, you know, mad ball, blah, 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 dog eat dog. You know, I mean, they couldn't get arrested in the States, but at some point in the mid-90s, they were absolutely massive in, in mm-hmm. Holland. Again, I'd never heard of them until I got involved. And, Did uh, you do um, Dynamo 95? Yeah, I'd been there, I think. Yeah, yeah. Dynamo 95, I. 95, when it was like, I think it was... That the typo and all that. All of them, yeah. Every, pretty much 90% of the bands on were Rotor uh, bands. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's the one. I, I mean, there was a few. Obviously, it was it was every year. But um, that there was one that I remember was absolutely massive, and I think uh, Nailbomb played as well, probably. Right. Uh, but there was a you know, from our perspective, I think I can't remember who else was up, but I know Typo. They would be doing things like giving it. We demand. We're not going to do the festival unless we can have 15 shirts on sale. And like, you know, the other headliner, well, we've got to have 15 shirts on sale, you know what I mean? And they'd be doing this, you know what I mean? And you'd be like, Jesus Christ, that's a logistical nightmare. And then Gloria would be coming along going mental because, you know, Nail Bomb had sold out or something like that. You know what I mean? Like half an hour after they played or like half an hour before they played or something mm-hmm. it's like it, you know merchandise it's a guessing game mate you know I mean it's like it is it's your you've got to you're pulling information out of the air 
Yeah. On like what you're predicting the sales are going to be. And it's all right once things been up and running. But I mean, at a festival, you know, you're, you're competing with event gear, headliners, this, that, and the next thing, drunks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> people don't know what they want. Hmm. And, um, you know, so you can very rarely win. And then, you know, bands go off on them, don't they? You know, yeah. so. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got it's, it's that. It's a bit of their money, isn't it? So they're going to have some sort of... Of course, of course that is, aye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, uh, Jesus, mate, you know, trying to make it, you know, trying to make it, but... So how do things progress then? So it's 97, 98 and you... Yeah, so I, I, I started getting... in the office and um, just cracked on, you know, the bands, blah, 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 you know, uh, uh, enjoying it. I mean, it was mm. good. It was like different living there, uh, you know, learning how to probably do that job. I mean, I don't know. I think people just sort of assumed that you could. I mean, it was crazy, like I say, because also <clears throat> Angelique was full on, you know. I mean, I mean, anybody that knows of knows. Like, I mean, she's barking mad. You know, again, I don't like, you know, she's lovely, but she's, she was like, ah, she was like, you know, like, like Use everything to get what she wanted, you know, yeah. screaming, crying, you know. <laughs> like, like this could this could be on an hourly basis in the office, you know. I mean, you're like, my, what is happening here? And everybody else, they were obviously used to it. They've worked there for quite a while. And I think maybe that's what pissed off some of the record company mob. But the the guy, the other guys, uh Elvin and Ronald and all that, and that worked there. They were used to it. They could. Mm. They're like, oh, she's just normal. Huh? Yeah, she Angelique. She is our leader. You know. <laughs> so I was like, oh, fucking hell, man. So, how, uh, things, how does it all change? Because as we get into the turn of the century, we get to like get up to this point. <clears throat> it's very much like an underground metal label yeah. with some moderate commercial success with some of the more with, with stuff like Subterra and Typo Negative. But then yeah. it all blows up around 9/11, doesn't it? Because we got Typo, not Typo. We got Nickelback and Slipknot. Uh, Does that change the dynamic? Well, things had changed hugely by then because they closed. So what they there was a there was a merch company in the UK called Underworld that right. they were doing quite a bit of business with, and then Underworld got into difficulties and um, ended up. I wouldn't say it was a takeover or whatever, but it was a sort of takeover. And Blue Grey so took over some of their acts. And uh, like a lot of the staff, and opened a London office. Right. Okay. With what it turned out, with the intention of closing their Dutch office, but we didn't know that at the time. But that's what the the plan was. So that that's in effect what happened. They decided because cases like that, and it made sense is that London's the centre of like you know culture. <laughs> yeah, but like oh yeah, you know. Uh, you know, centre of merchandise, centre of the music industry, really, but mm-hmm. certainly the centre of merchandise. And I think maybe he thought, then, you know, those guys can bring, get, they were used to working with, well, I mean, they had all the big, you know, take that, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They were doing all these big, um, big tours and stuff and uh, the staff, etc. So they figured that they could get hold of them and it would be good for the company, you know what I mean? So, they actually, so they laid everybody off in Holland, myself included. <laughs> Fucking what? 
you know, move to your name. You know what I mean? What year are we in for this? Uh, that was like 99, I think. Right, okay. And then it moved to, to London because I, I was like, what am I going to do? And uh, when they were closing it down, Sepultura were going back out, we were going out on tour. Now, this was Sepult- the first tour with Derek singing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and uh, the other guys. And I, I, I was pretty good friends with the band. I felt like I was anyway, you know what I mean? We got on well. And I was, I was like, right, well, I'll go back out on the road with them. So I did that. And uh, just and then it was like, right, I'll decide what I'm doing after that. And the, the London office opened up. And so I just, those guys then were like, well, you know, these bands on the road, so we'll put you out on the roads. And uh, yeah, things started, I mean, they were they were, had the other acts that they were, UK artists that they were bringing in and stuff like that, or still trying to retain working with. But um when, I mean, when Slipknot came along, I did that first tour on the roads, uh, which I think was late 99, maybe December 99 or something like that. I mean, that was like, like, it was like, fucking it. I mean, it was brilliant. You know what I mean? I mean, it was insane, you know, uh, but it was like, what the hell is this? But yeah, Mer Sales, we knew already from the States, this was Felix Bink. Big right, thing. I mean, you know, huge. You know, I mean, they'd they got it and all that, you know, and um, yeah, it was great. And I say I went out on the road, but they were they were all really nice guys. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a great tour to be on. They were all, you know, just just they were all really they weren't all normal, but they were all pretty normal. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like and just American guys from the Midwest or whatever. You know, I mean, I mean, you're never going to say Sean. Uh, Sean's normal, but um, you know, it's like fucking amazing, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, it was brilliant that you know, what I mean, it was great, and uh, but yeah, like, I think in the states it was probably bigger, or you know, with the they could see the advantage of being in America for merchandise is that the tours are bigger, mm-hmm. you know, the tour, a tour will go on three months. Whereas here it might be three weeks around you or something mm-hmm. like that. So if you've got somebody that's smashing it, you know, I mean, they're going to be out, you know, I mean, a, a summer tour in the States. So when those guys, you know, they were probably giving it, this is magic. And again, when Nickelback came along, they were like, boom, straight in, you know, um, like the arenas in the UK and Europe yeah. and stuff like that, you know, and that, that went mental. That. Yeah. But I don't know. I think I just sort of, I'm trying to think if I was in the London office by then because uh, after being laid off in Holland, I've got 18 months later rehired. So <laughs> 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 it's a standing joke we had. You know what I mean? I'm going to make case you've got to hire me again. You know what I mean? Because I need, I need a third time round here. You know what I mean? You made me redundant twice, mate. You know, <laughs> I need to tire on that. I'm needing a third redundancy check, mate. Um, so I, I, uh, I ended up working in the London office again. The guy that had kind of taken over my job, uh, he went off to work for an oil company, and they did the same. Right? Why don't you come into? And I was like, now I'm moving to London. You know what I mean? Which wasn't as good as moving to Amsterdam. I can. Definitely say, and uh, sure. yeah, it was like, um, but um, 
yeah, that's, uh, I, you know, that's about it at the moment. <laughs> you know, and it was just like, get back on. So uh, what else do we need to know? Um, well, I think... I was, I was going to ask what you're doing now because is it, imagine it's still merch or it's still something in the similar... Yeah. yeah, you can never get out of it, mate. You know, I mean, as much as you try, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, Blue Great... Well, so to continue the story, um, you know, it was like the London office took over and uh, Amsterdam was finished and um, <clears throat> uh, it was just worked as normal in, in London. Mm-hmm. You know, the same bands, but also bringing in different bands and stuff like that. And then I guess around about 2003, four or something like that, Case, I think, had had enough, you know what I mean, and wanted to sell, um, sell Blue Great. And he, right. sold, he, ended up, he sold it to Bravado. Um, Who are Bravado? So Bravado are one of the big... Uh, one of the big merch companies, you know, I mean, they were like one of the real heavy hitters. They've been bought and sold a few times, you know, Universal owned them, uh, right, okay. blah, 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 all that. So Barry Drinkwater that you mentioned, it was owned by these brothers, mm-hmm. the Drinkwaters, who you mentioned in that article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been around for years. Real, they had, like, they were doing all the big artists, and they're still going. There's them, Global, and merch traffic, you know what I mean? And a lot of the big bands all go around, you know, everybody's done them, you know what I mean? Including, you know, Blue Great, we started doing something. I mean, we were doing Coldplay and stuff like this. And then, you know, Manic Street Preachers and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. And early sort of 2000s. And then <clears throat> Coldplay went to what is now MFL, who are the guys that I do a lot of work for these days. That's my sort of number one client. Mm-hmm. And... Um, then they went probably from there to Bravado. They're probably, I don't know who they're with now, probably merch traffic. But, and it's the same for a lot of artists. They've all, they just all go around, you know what I mean? Did um, Angelique satisfy her dream of creating a fashion empire, though? That's the main question. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, you know, um, so we, I, no, I mean, I, I, think, I think the sale of the company, to be fair to Angelique, was devastating. You know, I think she was, uh, really heartbroken by it because she was trying, you know, she had absolutely tried her best and, uh, you know, was wanting to, you know, real make a real go of it and stuff mm. like that, you know, but, um, yeah, I think I think the sale of it really, you know, probably, she was probably very, well, I know she was very upset by it, you know what I mean? But uh, that's the yeah. way, you know, that's the way it goes. In case owns it throughout, he's not got any joint ventures with anyone. No, <clears throat> so um, as far as I'm aware, I mean, it was always, you know, he owned it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know if Angelique owned the part of it or something like that, if that's how, you know, it, it, um, she had some sort of like capital in it or some equity in it, I should say. Uh, again, you know, Felix would have a much better idea, mm. you know, of this. Obviously, Felix will, um, you know, would be somebody that, you know, would... It would fill in all these blanks, mate. You know, I mean, my, my head's just <laughs> tight, adult, mate, adult. <laughs> you know, I mean, so, uh, but um, yeah, uh, you know, actually, yeah, it was just, uh, it was her, her thing. And then by that point, so I mean, if we started 1990, you know, 10, sort of 12 years or whatever, she, I mean, she moved to London as well. 
and she was in and out of the office there and then just kind of laterally, uh, it was, uh, I think, she retired from it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, she, could, she, she, did, she died not long after that, unfortunately, you know what I mean? Right. So, that was quite sad, something like that, but 2003, four, something like that, I think, you know? Mm. That's a shame. Wrong. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I mean, she's. I mean, if you want to meet a larger than life character, mate, uh, she's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, yeah. So um, yeah, but so it just it, it cracked on in the UK. But then I think the record company had, you know, had enough. There was losses building up and stuff like that. And the Dutch hate to lose, you know, <laughs> any money. Understandably, but you know. If you think Scots are tight, mate, you know, I mean, it's like the Dutch. Uh, so uh, there was a lot, there's a lot of pressure on like, you know, to to stop. The, the, the accounts guys hated it because yeah. I love those accounts guys, you know. Uh, so, you know, uh, women you're in. I think they still both work, still work for Case now. And <laughs> they, uh, they were crazy, you know, I mean, it's... Case is such a good relationship with a lot of his staff because they loads of them stayed there all the time. I mean, Erwin still works for them, who worked in the merchant, but he started in the record company, got put in the merch company, back into the record company, and now he's in the book <laughs> company. You know, Marcus, yeah. you know what I mean? But uh, Jeroen, uh, uh, Wim, the two accounts guys, they loved the trip, you know what I mean? Because like, they would go around all the offices you know, doing the accounts, which meant they could get right on it. <laughs> I don't know. Speak to them and see if you need to edit that out. But they'd be like, oh, yeah, mate, we're on the piss. You know, phoning case up, leaving messages in his answer machine in the middle of the night, absolutely hammered. Stuff like that. They'd be brilliant. So they felt comfortable in doing that. Yeah, you small! You're drunk! You know, I went two in the morning. You know, so uh, the awesome. label business, you know. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it got to the point, record label had enough of it. And uh, as far as I was aware, and, you know, managed to sell it, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, so well, they were joint, they were they were partially owned by Universal Roadrunner. So it makes sense that Bravado, being a, a universal owned company, would then buy out Blue Grape. Yeah, but I don't know if they were, they were partially owned by them at that point. I don't right. know better than me, maybe. Mm. You know, I wouldn't know about bravado, but I could certainly find out. No, I, mean, I like, but I don't know if I don't know when Universal partly owned Roadrunner. Two thousand one. Two thousand one. All right, so maybe then. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's yeah. something to do with it. Again, Felix's be a man for mm. the facts. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, the facts. If you want the facts, mate, ask me. You know, uh, but yeah. um, are there any? Are there any other sort of like? The stories or observations that might you might have thought of over the last few weeks while I've been chatting that we haven't come across yet. I just it's been it's been quite nice sort of um, thinking about it. Okay, you know, I mean, thinking about the bad, thinking about that time. You know, I mean, it was it's because it was like well, it's, you know it's whatever twenty whatever years ago. You know, twenty five years ago. But I don't know. Fucking you do the math. Um, 28 yeah. years ago yeah uh, you know when starting and like just you ended up in this kind of like mad career that you've never 
thought, I mean, I did this business degree, you know what I mean? And um, I'm flogging T-shirts, <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, it's like, what's happening? But it was great fun. And, you know, the bands were like, insane. I mean, it was really good fun going out on tour with like a lot of the machine head, you know what I mean? That first tour, uh, the first kind of headline tour. I think they'd done the Slayer support. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where like, you know, burn my eyes or whatever, but, but then they went out in Europe. Again, this was another one. It's massive, it's massive. I'm like, never fucking heard of them. You know what I mean? Why do you keep saying that? You know, like, oh, they are massive. You know what I mean? So, and then, you know, me and I took a, it needed two of us out on it. And uh, I took another friend from Glasgow, you know, and uh, we just had a great time. And the band, it was, you know, uh, Rob, um, Adam and uh, Logan and Chris Contos and all that. And they were all funny, mm. you know what I mean? And loving it and all that, you know, and it was just great fun. I was Haggis brother number one and Mick was Haggis brother number two, you know what I mean? And that was it, you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah, to attend um, one of the Christmas parties. One of the... Roadrunner Christmas parties. Roadrunner ones. Not... Not... Uh, as a sort of, like, at that, not until I worked in the office, you know, you were never invited, really, to, you know, again, fucking blow grip. <laughs> you know, like, oh, them darkening the door. You know <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you were still an outcast, mate, you know? Yeah. But, uh, no, I was never invited to any of that stuff until uh, I worked there. And then, you know, you were, like, yeah, you were like, I, I always, I enjoyed, the guys at the record company, uh, I always got on with quite well, and I liked, mm. you know, would go out, sometimes they'd go, if there was bands in town that, uh, that maybe I'd been on the road with, or I knew a bit, like, and they had to go out and take them out and stuff like that, they'd yeah. ask me to come along, you know, because they didn't know them as well, or something like that. Sure. Like, okay, are you buying the drinks? You know what I mean? So, yeah, fine, definitely. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, but Christmas parties, no, I mean, I never, uh, I never, I mean, I know, I, I think you mentioned something about it's a big party in a castle with, uh, was that the same? Oh, yeah, it was, you know, that was Sepultura's KFCD. Yeah, it was Carfilly Castle, uh, the biggest castle in Wales where they did the KSAD release party. And then buy all the press and all that shit. I did a route. We did um, the so when Roots came out and there must have been stuff going on. Uh, well, I know we were in Brazilian bars in Amsterdam, and like we did a little promo tour. Uh, you know, around so there was a lot of there was a lot of sort of party atmosphere around about then as well. You know, I remember something. Brazilian dancers at half the shows and stuff like this. Right, yeah, okay. Cologne and things like that. But no, an actual an actual party. Um, no, fair dues. It's, it's, there's some <laughs> yeah. question. Hey, that popular. I'm trying to make out that I'm mate. The laugh like, that fucking guy. No way. <laughs> there's, some, there's some like tail off questions that are, that are like staples. All which right. I'm like, I'm one of them. I've been asked. I've been asked to ask about collecting as many Christmas party stories as I can muster. All right. Yeah. Nah. Nah. Yes, it is. You know, you said uh, thinking about stuff, and um, uh, on that machine head tour, it was like there was lots of funny moments, and it was just like crazy. We were like, oh, "These fucking Americans are nuts!" But 
that I was laughing to myself earlier because um, I remember we were we, we did a gig somewhere and uh, there was no food or whatever. I mean, we, we all ended up going to this pizza shop. It, it was out in Italy or Spain or somewhere like that. And um, it turned out they were doing two for one pizzas. And uh, so there was a guy, Mike Scum, was the guitar tech. This was like, I think Rob's like best friend, perhaps, or a very good friend. Mm. And he just, I've never seen anybody happier in my life. And they were just, Rah! two for one, two for one. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, oh, they went fucking bananas that they were getting two for one pizzas. And they came away with the biggest pizzas you'd ever fucking seen. And then, you know, two for one, baby! You know, they were just fucking, scum was freaking the fuck out. It was so brilliant. And then we had to live with these fucking pizzas on that bus for about a fucking week. Well, they were, you know, nobody could eat them. It was too much. And they would just, it wouldn't fit in the fridge. So it's going fuck it. It was like... It made me think of like, you know, an old episode of The Simpsons where Homer gets this fucking, you know, 10 foot long sub sandwich that he's yeah. won or something like that. But he's refusing to throw it out. You know, he's going to <laughs> eat and all that. We had these fucking pizzas lying, two for one, Rob! You know, so just when you said two for one there, I'm like, sorry, mate. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's a, a good way, uh, way yeah. to sign off. Well, I get Felix on, mate. You know what I mean? He'll give you he'll give you a better insight than me. He'll give me the facts. He'll give you the facts. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you some of the shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if, yeah. if we do one way, it's Felix and yourself. I'm going to call it shit and facts. Yeah, exactly. Shit and facts. I mean, shit and facts. <laughs>